To say that it's been a crazy morning so far in our studios would be an understatement. It's play-by-play. Sorry I'm getting started a little bit later than normal. We're having some, or we're having some technical issues. Not really technical issues. It's um, the moron next to the microphone right here doesn't know how to work some of this stuff. And Buddy Miller's not here. And it's been a long start to the morning. But we're here. It's play-by-play. And we hope that everybody's having a wonderful start to their day. In this opening segment of the show, I'm going to tell you about some things I saw at the high school jamboree last night. Some things that I'm expecting to see at the boys' basketball jamboree tonight. Um, and also give you an update on the volleyball state playoffs because in the Division Three state quarterfinals, Edie White actually has a one-set-to-nothing lead over their opponent right now. Uh, so the Lady Cardinals are trying to punch a ticket to the semifinals, and they're trying to do so like right now as we speak. So before our show leaves the air, we're going to have a rundown of how E.D. White stacked up. Um, they are currently facing off with <clears throat> Lafayette Christian in the quarterfinals. That's a three-versus-six matchup, and we're certainly rooting on the Lady Cardinals in their efforts to try to punch a ticket into the semifinals, so we wish them nothing but the best in that endeavor. Today's show, because yesterday we were at Terrebonne General, today's show, um, we are going to be doing a lot of our Wednesday stuff, right? We were at Media Day yesterday. By the way, it was such a wonderful event. We're going to have Taylor Griffin, who's a usual Wednesday guest, on at 1145. We'll have Stan Gravel at 1215. It'll be our Terrebonne General Thursday interview. We missed Stan on Tuesday. We'll have him on today at 1215. Then at the bottom of the show, 1240-ish, we'll have our question and answer section, our segment from our listeners. We'll get our Q&A, and our mailbag will be opened up. Now, last night I was at the... Lafouche Parish Girls Basketball Jamboree um, and, and was able to see some of the local teams first and foremost, just right out of the way, get it right out of the gate. Um, for people who are listening, the Lady Tarpons are really young, man. It is gonna be it's gonna take a little while. It's gonna be a group that's gonna have to get better and progress as the year goes on. They played Central Lafouche last night, kind of showed their youth, kind of showed their inexperience, struggled at times, and the Lady Trojans get the win in that matchup. Central Lafouche ain't bad either, though. Uh, they they played pretty uh, pretty good throughout the course of the game. Had some good opportunities, some good open shots. Um, they have some athleticism, and more important than that, Coach Tora has them just believing that they're that they're good, and that matters, man. At the high school level, that matters. They win the summer league. They they're playing well right now. There's no doubt about that. They're playing very very well. Um, also, another thing that's worth noting is that in the second half of the jamboree when you get Thibodeau taking on assumption, I think Thibodeau is going to be really, really good. Um, this is probably one of the more talented teams that Ashley Adams has had since she's been at Thibodeau. It's a crew that is still young right now. Um, even with all the talent and athleticism that they have, they're still young right now, <laughs> but boy, they're really explosive. They made some things happen, and you know, just hearing the reports, and we had a photographer there at their scrimmage against E.D. White on Monday. They got by that one pretty easily. Then they get by Assumption last night pretty easily. I think Thibodeau locally is going to be amongst the better girls' basketball teams. They've just got a lot of talent, a lot of depth, a lot of players who could really contribute. On the boys' side of things, and I'll see the boys' basketball jamboree tonight over at Thibodeau High School. We're going to be keeping an eye on the Tarpons and the Trojans and Thibodeau. And here's the thing about local boys basketball. 
so many teams were young last year that I think it'll be a situation where everybody's going to be better. But ultimately, when everybody's facing one another, somebody's going to finish first, somebody's going to finish last. Like There are going to be some teams that are going to slip behind and fall through the cracks. But I think the sheer level of play that we see, the sheer, you know, like there's going to be fewer turnovers, there's going to be crisper play, there's going to be better shot making, there's going to be better, you know, flow to the games because everybody's got more experience. And I think that's going to be something that's going to be apparent right away. I think it's going to be apparent right away. It'll be very noticeable right out of the shoot, like tonight at the Jamboree. It'll be very noticeable that the floor, as they say, has been lifted. I don't know that we got any state championship teams or anything like that, but I don't think we're going to have any teams in the area locally who are just bad. I think everybody's going to play at a high level. Everybody's going to be competitive, and it's going to put all of the area teams on notice that you better be on your P's and Q's when you get into district play because if you don't play well, you're going to get beat. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. If you don't play well, you're going to get beat. Let's catch a break. I know it was in an abbreviated uh, first segment. We got started a little bit later than we would have wanted to. But we've got to go to uh, Taylor Griffin at 11.45. We'll go to the Turtle in the next segment. It's play-by-play on KLEB. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to KLEB, 1600 AM and K274 DE, 102.7 FM, Golden Meadow. The French Connection, the all-new Raging Cajun, 102.7 FM. The French Connection, the all-new Raging Cajun, 102.7 FM. Do you want a free, easy-go gas golf cart? Golden Motors is given a brand-new golf cart. All you must do is buy a new or pre-owned vehicle, and you get a chance to win. Buy November 1st till January 31st, and you get a chance to win a new EasyGo Gas golf cart. Come to Golden Motors and get your new pre-owned or car, truck, or SUV, and get a chance to bring home a new golf cart. Oh, by the way, we have a great selection of Chevy Silverados and Equinox or Trailblazers, and they're arriving daily. Golden Motors, where price is priority. Come see us on Highway 3235 and cut off, or call us at 985-325-1000. Chevy, find new roads. Hello, friends and family. Taylor Griffin here, back again to talk about Dufresne Building Materials. Did you know that we have a new updated online order system called Dufresne Easy Buy? Come see us at dofriendlumber.com to check it out and get you started with a free quote. We now have eight convenient locations to serve you, which include Cutoff, Thibodeau, Luling, Bell Chase, Araby, Slidell, Gulfport, and Grand Isle. And no matter how big we grow as a company, we promise to keep that local family business feel and welcome you with a smile. So come give the local guys a try and experience the Dufresne difference. Pesky mosquitoes, gnats, and all kinds of South Louisiana bugs taking over your yard? Have no fear. Buzz Off is here to save your summer. Buzz Off is the only locally owned pest control company focusing on your outdoor living space. They use 100% organic ingredients, safe to all humans and pets. Check us out on Facebook or book your appointment today at buzzoffnow.com. Need our cedar beaters now? Call 985-333-8989 today to take your lawn back. Buzz Off Mosquito Control. Safe, effective, guaranteed. At Riley John's Blue Boot Foundation, our mission is to help everyone be safer in and around water. Did you know drowning is the number one accidental cause of death in children under the age of four and the second leading cause of accidental death in children under the age of 14? Adolescents and adults are at greater risk of drowning in open water. Remember, drowning is preventable. Join Riley John's Blue Boot Foundation.
the wonderful sounds of Real American let us know that it's time to go to Taylor Griffin, our broadcast partner here at Coastal Broadcasting, our color analyst. He does an excellent job, and we're right up against the beginning of our basketball coverage, which will be coming up soon of Tarpon Girls and Boys Basketball. Turtle, good morning, buddy. How are you? Hey, doing good. How y'all doing out there? Doing just fine, man. Look, it's it's jamboree season. I saw the girls' basketball programs in the area last night. I'm going to get a chance to see the boys' basketball team tonight. Um, everybody's excited. Everybody's zero and zero. Everybody's fired up. And, and starting, I guess, with the boys, bro, and I made this point earlier in the show, <clears throat> you know, locally, there's going to be somebody in first place. There's going to be somebody in last place. That's just the way that, this, that uh, any athletic season goes. But everybody was so young last year that I think everybody's going to be better. And what I think we're going to see, bro, is we're going to see just higher level of play. I think the floor is going to be raised and everybody's going to be better and we're going to see everyone playing at a higher level this season. Man, not not to sound too cliche, but uh, that's what it's all about, taking steps forward and trying to get to that next level. And, um, you know, the kids are growing and they're – they're learning, they're evolving, and I'm sure they're chomping at the bit. Can't wait to get back on the floor in a game situation. And uh, we're here for it, man. Can't wait for it to start. We were at uh, Terrebonne General Tri-Parish Media Day yesterday for basketball. That's actually why we didn't have you on yesterday, because we did the whole show from out there. And we were talking with Brody Williams yesterday, and, and this, was, this was an off-the-air conversation. So I hope Brody doesn't mind me sharing, but I think he'll be okay with it. He said, I asked him, I said, Brody, can, can Brandon Daniels dunk easily? He said, oh, yeah. And then when I've asked him, like, to, you know, like, is he doing it in practice? He said, yeah. He got the ball at the wing, drove to the goal, and just posterized somebody a couple days ago. And to which I said, Brody, like, if that happens in a game, like, I'm just throwing my headset up in the air. So you might have to bail me out, partner, because if something like that happens, we might be in a bind, bro. Man, oh, man, oh, man. How long has it been since we've seen something like that? That uh, that's awesome. Because look, if I if I were you, I, I I'd have been doing the same thing. I would have been grilling him like, "Come on, Brody! Like game situation, dunk! Like, <laughs> like was it a fast break and everyone stopped? Did he do it on someone? What was it? Was it after practice or was it heat of the moment? Like like live scrimmage, full speed. He just dunked it in the middle of a play. Like I'd have got all that confirmed, and that's what it sounds like you did. And uh. That's uh, that's something special, man. That's uh, that gives me the three songs. I can't wait. <laughs> and and look in true South Lafouche basketball fashion, the dunk didn't count because the person that was getting dunked on took a charge. So <laughs> so you get it. You get the best of both worlds, right? Yes, indeed. So I'm just gonna stop you. So we stop giving away so much strategy to our all our opponent <laughs> listeners. We don't need people taking charges when Brandon Daniels drives for a duck. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. Um, brother, let, let's talk about some LSU for a second, man. I know you were in Tiger Stadium, and heck, if anybody who's a newspaper reader wants to go pick up a copy of the Gazette, you'll see one, Mr. Taylor Griffin, on the front page, an awesome picture that you guys shared on the field from Tiger Stadium after the game. First and foremost, before we get into the game, you told me something on Sunday whenever I was getting some information about that photo like you and Josh and Nick, like you guys were kind of scattered out around the stadium. Like I believe you guys and Josh were sitting separate and made the pact of, hey, we're going to either meet each other in the parking lot when it's over or we're going to meet each other on the field after we beat their ass. And guess what? <laughs> LSU got the win and you guys met each other on the field. That's an awesome story. 
that is that is exactly how it went, man. And uh, I mean, just just for anyone who has the time to to or who just simply knows the sections of Tiger Stadium, I mean, this is section three hundred four. This is the thirty five yard line on the visitor's side, closer to the. <clears throat> I believe it's uh, the south end zone, and section four eighteen is in the south end zone, but on the other side of the goalpost. And Nick and I, when I tell you it was as easy as security just welcomed us with open arms, like we didn't have to hop any barricades or anything. We ran out the visitor's tunnel like it was game time and we had Alabama jerseys on, okay? (laughs) It was wide open for us, and we just ran straight to the field as much as we could, and Josh was coming, like I said, I mean, we basically just met we were making a 90 degree angle as we would have clashed in the middle. And we met around the 20 just coincidentally, not, Hey, where are you at? Hey, what yard line? Hey, call us. Don't move. No, we just, we, everyone rushed together. And by comparison, we're basically about the same height from the field as Josh was. And that that's what it was, man. We just, just so happened to meet and jumped in each other's arms and did a big jumping up and down group hug. I mean, it was, it was something special. It was it was awesome, bro. You know, I'm trying to think of the way to to ask this without like offending people here because I know Coach Ogeron has such a strong following, and I don't mean this in an offensive way. But you have Coach Ogeron for several years, and he's kind of a quirky guy, right? We could all admit that. You have Les Miles before him, who's very much so a quirky guy, bro. It feels like LSU football has kind of got a little more mature, a little more of a tactician, a guy who's maybe a little more about the X's and O's. And when you combine that with this level of athletes, boy, something special could happen. This is a team that had 39 scholarship players 11 months ago. You have no business beating Alabama this season. You have no business even being in the same discussion as Alabama this season. But you beat them, and you're in the conversation and in control of the SEC West. It just makes you wonder. When he fills that roster up and gets 80, 85 scholarship players, what's this going to look like? Man, you uh, that is a heck of a point there. I, um, man, I can't remember. I think it may have been a Colin Coward tweet that I saw. It was something like, look at what happens when after all these years, Brian Kelly, you know, gets this type of talent, this level of talent, and he had no business going up against Saban. It's his first year against Saban, and he beats him. And he barely got a taste of this level of talent down here. It's exactly what you're mentioning. Wait till he gets a full year of recruit. Wait till he has 80-something play. You know, like, that's that's going to be, you know, this may be the big, big turn in the right direction we've we've been waiting on. And uh, to backtrack a little bit and comment on the uh, you know the little bit of quirkiness, um, not that it's a bad thing. Look, sometimes a little bit of quirkiness works. Sometimes it's just it's that little bit of extra that makes the players happy and enjoy their time. It's that little bit of oh yeah, he's human just like us, where it's not all you know robotic, Nazi, Saban-esque, just like business is business and, and that's it and there's nothing else. So you need that quirkiness for the fun. And look, 
maybe Saban has that. You just never see it on camera. We don't know that. Maybe, maybe Coach Kelly has that, and we just never see it on camera. And we never will. Maybe they just they keep it closer to their chest, and they, they keep it, you know, they have a media personality and a, and a locker room personality. I'm not sure what to think of it. But I get what you're saying. From an outsider looking in and not guessing or assuming anything, um, yeah, it's uh, it seems to be a bit more all business, and you either with us or you're not. There's not going to be any, you know, extracurriculars, and it's uh, you know, it seems to be working. How long will it last? I don't know, but you know, as far as we know, he could be just as funny and and just just as quirky as the last two guys. He may just be, you know, more well guarded about that whole thing. I mean, look. look that's something we'll never know unless unless we'd be putting that jersey on and going to practice every day. Now, with all that having been said, and I, I said this on the show on Tuesday, you know, you beat Alabama, it's a great win. You beat Ole Miss, it's a great win. I'm scared to death of Arkansas on Saturday. They're coming off oh, of a God, loss against yeah. Liberty. It's an early game. You're super high. They're super low. It's a big rivalry. Every one of those games are crazy. I am scared to death of Arkansas on Saturday. Casey, we we either gonna win by twenty eight or we are we gonna win by one on a last second field goal and then we're gonna have a heart attack. It's, <laughs> it's not gonna be it's not gonna be comfortable, man. It's there's I'm scared too. It's it's a trap. It's a I wish we could just not play this game. Can we just skip to UAB? <laughs> like <laughs> I've got no fear playing Texas A&M the last game of the season. I don't think anyone in this country has any fear playing Texas A&M at this point. But, man, something about Arkansas, <clears throat> they have – they're loaded with talent. They they beat some really good teams this year. Now they lost some games they shouldn't have. But they're – and just like you said – they're going to be pissed. They just lost to Liberty. They should not have lost that game. Now everyone's gunning for us. Now yep. we're the we're the most watched team in America. Now we're like oh, that's the that's the team that just beat Bama <clears throat> on that gutsy two point conversion and shot the world when everyone was watching. Now now we're getting everybody's best desperate fight, claw, and scratch game. I don't want that against this Arkansas team. That makes me very nervous, just like you said. Yeah, no doubt. Let's shift gears. Let's talk a little New Orleans Saints for a second, bro. Um, it's kind of a depressing topic, right? You're three and six, and you know there are a lot of folks that are saying, "Man, oh, you know, they're only one game out of first place." Nah, man. Let, let let's stop with that nonsense, bro. You're you're one game out of first place, yeah, but you you have not won more than one game in a row the entire season. You've not had any stretch of sustained success at all. The Ravens beat the hell out of the Saints in the Dome on Monday. They couldn't move the ball. They couldn't stop the run. At the end of the game, the Saints knew the Ravens were going to run the ball, still couldn't stop it. Like This is just a bad team. I'm not worried about Tampa. I'm not worried about Atlanta. I'm, you know, And I guess if you some kind of way by some miracle win the South, that would be neat. But, boy, this team's got a whole laundry list of problems, bro, and it's far deeper than this idea that some people have that, oh, we're one game out, so we're close. No, you're not. You're not close. Yeah, um... Stats and records, you know, yeah, you may be close mathematically, but that first playoff game you're going to play, if you so happen to miraculously 
win the NFC South with some ridiculous seven and nine record or whatever it ends up being, like just because everyone else sucks this year, uh, you're going to get washed in the first round. Um, so we could we could wipe that idea right now off the table. Um, it's it's tough to watch, man. the The defense is fun at times to watch. And at other times, they're just a big letdown. The offense is pretty depressing to watch. <laughs> Nine out of ten plays. It's like until we get an improved or consistent Andy Dalton or an improved and consistent Jameis Winston, just go back to the trickery. Just just start mixing them in. Put three quarterbacks on the field at the same time. Have Taysom Hill run. To, I mean, just do some, All you could do is trick people at this point because there's nothing on the field that's showing me that you're going to run a play and be successful just because it's just because you're better. We're not. We don't look like we're better than anyone right now, and that's as a lifelong Saints fan. That especially after these last. 15, 16 years we've been spoiled to. This is tough. This is depressing to watch. Let's talk a little NBA for a second. The Pelicans are just kind of treading water. They're just barely above 500. They're kind of getting their wits about them. They've been battling some injuries. Let's talk about something that's maybe a little more fun to talk about right now, which is the just the decomposition of the Lakers. The Lakers are 2-9. and nine. The Lakers are maybe the worst team in the NBA right now. LeBron is aging and is not playing very well. He's now just a one-way player. He doesn't guard at all anymore. Anthony Davis is fragile. They don't have any shooting at all, so teams are packing the paint on LeBron and AD. They're kicking it out to the corners, and they're missing those shots over and over and over again. It's crazy, man. Like LeBron is going to end his career losing a lot, a lot, a lot, and it's just crazy to think. Like I would have never imagined that this is how this would go down for him but the Lakers are not competitive right now. They got blasted last night by the Clippers. They're two and nine. They just don't do anything well. Something about those Laker legends, man. You remember when Magic Johnson came back after his retirement and and tried to force those few Laker games on us? Yep. Yep. It was horrible. It was depressing. It was a sad shell of his former self. Do you remember Kobe's final year? Now, other than his last game where he scored like 60 or something against the Jazz, you know, <clears throat> right. other than that, look at that Lakers roster. Look at that Lakers record. That going to L.A. is not somewhere to finish. <laughs> this, is, this is strike three. We're seeing it. You know, Shaq got out at the right time, and granted, you know, he went win one title in Miami, and then after that, I mean, it was just – you know, Shaq wore every color of the rainbow at, at one point, just bouncing around, being somebody's new enforcer. Um, it's it, man, playing for the Lakers. It's 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 like a it's like volatile investments. You got to know when to get out. You you get in when it's hot, and you got to know when to get out while you're up. And no one seems to know when to get out. Here we're seeing the. You know, just the letdown, the disappointment, and the decaying of, of LeBron and, and, and this horrible roster, I don't know who to blame. I really don't care whose fault it is because LeBron is simply only hanging on. I'm sure he still loves the game, but he loves his family more than the game. 
And he's hanging on to just see where Bronny gets drafted when that time comes. He's going to make history, and he's just setting it up to go play at least one season with his son, wherever that may be, and then LeBron's done. I think he's just going through the motions right now just to make sure he stays healthy enough to last until his son gets there. Other than that, I mean, it's not like he needs the money. No, he's a billionaire. (laughs) He's a billionaire. He's certainly not playing for the money at this point. He's... Does he is he truly a good person and and loves his fans? I believe he is. I believe he's a good-hearted guy who there could be a little motivation in the back of his head, like you know, the the kids want to see me. I'm here for the kids. The fans want to see me. You know, not the autograph seekers, not the leechers, not the people who are just looking for clout and and taking a picture with me, but the true fans of the game and the true fans of LeBron James, I'm doing it for them, I'm doing it for the kids, and I'm doing it for my kids. And other than that, I mean, yeah, he could literally be anywhere else, and it wouldn't look as bad. But the fact that he's in Los Angeles is, uh, on a team that's supposedly built with a bunch of superstars that who are all just this huge letdown, yeah, it's ugly, man. It's sad. I'm not this huge LeBron fan, but like I'm starting to feel bad for this billionaire. Like he surely we could do better for this guy. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, it's crazy and it's it's not been a good start to the season and I just don't know how you fix it. You don't have draft picks, you don't have tradable contracts. It's going to be a sunken ship for quite some time out in LA. Let's talk some WWE. Uh, we get uh, Roman Reigns and uh, the Paul brother. We get that main event. It was a pretty good match now. Uh, Logan Paul actually gets injured, so we're not going to see him for a while. He kind of shreds his knee up a little bit. We get some other results on the show. Uh, Damage Control wins back the Tag Team Championships. Lesnar goes over. Lashley. Um, But the big thing everybody's talking about is what happened on Monday Night Raw where you have Austin Theory, who was Vince McMahon's chosen one, right? He was the guy that was going to be the next guy who wins the money in the bank and since Triple H took over, he's been buried deep into the soil. And then on Monday, he cashes in his Money in the Bank briefcase during a U.S. title match, which everybody thought was odd, and then lost. Like, dude, can you be buried any worse than they buried Austin Theory? Or is this reverse psychology and he's going to sneak up and win the title somewhere? Like, is this truly a burial or is this they're trying to swerve us and bigger and brighter things are ahead for him? It's a big old sneaky swerve, at least that's what I think, Case. I think this is, first of all, number one, cashing in on the U.S. title, we all think, wow, what a disappointment, what a letdown. But look at the fans' reaction at the end of that match. Look at how everyone celebrated Seth Rollins overcoming odds after getting, you know, Swarmed by Lashley and beat up right before, and then, and then he triumphantly defends it, wounded against <clears throat> a healthy, fresh guy. The crowd reaction to Seth freaking Rollins winning. All, the WWE is not stupid. They were using that to give more credibility to the U.S. title. That now that makes us that makes the paying the the, the ticket purchasing fans more excited. Now the U.S. title isn't just some B.S. title. Now there's more credibility to it because the guy with the briefcase who had pick of the litter, who had the choice 
to cash it in for anything chose that one, oh, that, that title means more. So they just, they went up this there. They got us. That That's what that was. And number two, yes, I think um, I think this is all part of his buildup. The the forcing down the throat. Um, this reminds me of early, early John Cena days before the crowd really took to him and took him serious as a main eventer. Um, this reminds me of <clears throat> early Roman Reigns days when he broke away from the shield and they were forcing him down our throat. I think I think Triple H is kind of forcing him just enough, but he knows he's sending him out here to be hated. And at some point he's going to reinvent himself. At some point he's going to get a new haircut. He's going to get new ring attire and have a whole new gimmick, and we're going to fall in love with him. That's, that's what this setup is all about. I don't know how much time we got, but what I'm seeing – Look at Austin Theory and then look at Finn Balor. How much more serious? Even though he's booed and hated, he's getting a stern reaction from the ticket payers. Yeah, no, hey, that's a, that's a great point. You got me, got me maybe thinking, changing my opinion a little bit. Because I, I, watching it live, I was like, man, oh, this dude's done. Yeah. But now you got look my, my wheels spinning Theory. a little bit. Yeah, look at Austin Theory's look and his body type. He's just Finn Balor before an, a much-needed evolution. It's just simply not his time right now. I think Austin Theory is the next big thing. He is one of the top five needle movers down the road, maybe three or four years from now. Just give it time. He just needs a reinvention. And right now, all he's doing is learning and working his way up. I think, I think that's what did it, this is. And one more thing. I hope I don't piss off too many people when I say this. He needs... He needs to learn to use his right hand because I can't take left-handed dominant people serious in a wrestling ring. It just looks horrible. <laughs> it looks it, it 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 looks gross. It's not. It, think about. I mean, look 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 at it. And Shawn Michaels is left-handed. You ever seen that dude throw a serious left-handed dominant punch? No, he learned to do it the other way to to look more intimidating. And it, it, it sells himself as a more serious competitor to the fans. <laughs> oh, man, you're killing me. To use a, 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 dude, I'm serious. It, it, it kills me. It kills me. Oh, beautiful. Look, man, I got just a second left with you, bro. Um, we, we've got uh, – I've been listening to the Ric Flair podcast, and this past week was Ask Nate Anything, and they asked him about what we've been talking about for six months now, which is The Rock coming back. The question was basically, does that match need a title? And Ric Flair took it a different direction and kind of sort of said, man, I don't think The Rock's coming back. Like, he's not coming back to lose, and there's a lot of risk involved. And I don't know, man, when you hear Ric Flair, who's, I would imagine, pretty connected, say that, it makes me a little bit nervous, bro. I, that, that was not what I wanted to hear whenever he was asked that question. <sighs> Ric Flair... Ric Flair's gimmick in the ring, Ric Flair's gimmick on the mic is no gimmick. That is his life. Ric Flair is Ric Flair. He's not Richard Flair anywhere but on paper. Ric Flair is just playing. I, I think Ric Flair is just just living the kayfabe or however you pronounce it. He's working the boys. He's working the boys. I think I think that's all it is. 
just anything to to make sure it's still a shock by the time it happens. I think that's all that is. Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't get worried. But the hey, he got you worried. You reacted. He did his job. I hope I'm right about this. Right now, now another thing along those same lines that broke uh, this past week is I don't remember what publication put this out there, but apparently. Stone Cold Steve Austin was somewhere. I don't know where he was. He was on some show or something. And he was like, look, uh, my WrestleMania thing went great. That wasn't my last match. I'm open to do other things like that in the future. Look, usually when the legends come back, I'm like, okay, yeah, that's cool. But I don't need to see that again. Same with Ric Flair, who we just talked about a second ago. I don't need to see him wrestle again. I don't need to see a lot of those other guys come back and wrestle again. But his WrestleMania stuff last year I thought was awesome. If we want to do that annually every year... I'm okay with that. Send me out a heel. Let's do a street fight. Let's get some stoners. Let's drink some beer. I'm all for seeing that another next couple of years for sure. Oh, 100%. He, he didn't have to try hard to go above and beyond. That was the best part about it. He didn't, he, he didn't come out in his black tights. He didn't look flabby. He didn't, you know, he came out as himself. He did his thing within his own limits at the age of 50-whatever and still put on an amazing show, which is that, that that's what it's all about. There was no need for him to try to trick us into thinking he could still be athletic and still, you know, uh, not that he ever goes off the top rope, but just do do anything remotely dangerous for someone his age. He, he didn't have to do it. He didn't have to take a whole bunch of bumps. He... he he performed safely and effectively, and it was awesome. And it made us feel great again like it was 20 years ago. If he does that once a year, they can't lose. They could, they could do that for the next five years if they wanted to. They could, they could get younger, younger up-and-coming people involved and do a mixed tag. I mean, I know this is a ridiculous thought, but you could have Austin – you could have old Austin and young Austin theory in one corner, and you could have The Rock and Roman Reigns in another corner, and the young people carry the old people. I mean, you're talking about more and more. WrestleMania always loves to promote these epic once-in-a-lifetime, never-again matches. I mean, let your, let, their, let your imagination run wild. I mean, for him to say that that's not his last one and he's up for it again, I mean, who knows where this could go. That's, I, I love hearing that from him because that's another one. I mean, he doesn't need the money, but I know the payday is nice. And he's the one who on his podcast always talks about, man, that feeling when you walk out, when that glass breaks, that fan reaction, that pop. That He said if you could bottle that feeling up when you walk through that curtain, you could, you could, you'd be a billionaire selling that feeling. So if once a year he wants to come out and get that feeling, let him do it. Let him do it. Dude, you're swinging for the fences with the Austin and Owens versus Roman and Rock. That'd be amazing. I'm over here just thinking, like, what if on a lesser pay-per-view or even a Monday Night Raw, we got Austin in a ring with Owens, and they're facing the Alpha Academy. Can you imagine the shoosh, what, shoosh, what? Like, I'm thinking that'd be amazing. <laughs> yes, indeed, man. The possibilities are endless. And I know the dude's semi you know he's 99 percent retired and he doesn't need to be on the road anymore but i mean it's got to be fun it's got to be fun to go out and do it at your own pace like that i mean the the, the possibilities are endless i mean you you can't lose uh 
I, I hope I know. I mean, I know Stone Cold's probably never going to hear this, but you know, I wish you were listening. Like, man, give the people what they want. No doubt. Well, look, brother, we went a little extra with you today. We thank you so much for that added time, brother. Uh, have a great rest of the day, and we'll chat next Wednesday. Okay, pal? Yes, indeed, man. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. And as always, go Tarps, and God bless America. Yep, that is Taylor Griffin doing an excellent job. You know, I had two options there. I could have got off with Taylor at like 12.05, got a break, short segment, then go to stand at 12.15. Turtle was on a roll, man. When he's over here talking about left-handed people and – I had to give him the extra time, so let's catch a break. When we get back, we're going to go to our Terrible and General Thursday with Stan Gravois. Then we've got our mailbag. Then we've got our picks. It's play-by-play on KLEB. The music on the bayou, the all-new Raging Cajun 102.7 FM. It's the Black Friday sales event at Southland Dodge, Chrysler, Jeep, Ram, Fiat, and Homa. Not only can you get a great deal on a Ram, but you can see their impressive lineup of new commercial trucks and vans. Southland Dodge has the perfect vehicle for your business with Rams, long-lasting new pickups, or their efficient new Ram work vans. Choosing the right one should be easy. Whether you need a truck for work or home life, the Ram will do its job. Southland Dodge, Chrysler, Jeep, Ram, Fiat, 6161 West Park Avenue in Homa. Here for you yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Some people just have a knack for being there when you need them the most. Like your third grade classmate who sticks up for you against that bully. The neighbor who gives you a jump start. And the friend who chases away that flock of geese at your outdoor wedding. Your state farm agent has your back too. Your good times and the not so good. And who's got your agents back? State Farm, the company people have trusted for more than 90 years. We're here to help life go right. Call state farm agent Ashley Barrios and cut off today at 985-632-0988. As a leader in the oil and gas industry, Joe's Septic Contractors caters to oil field clients, offering vacuum truck service for offshore tanks, vessels, or treatment plants containing sewage or gray water. Their rental department offers state-of-the-art offshore portable toilets with cages and certified safety slings for easy maneuvering, also holding tank rentals and portable hand-washing stations. Call Joe's Septic Contractors 24-7 in Cutoff, Thibodeau, Fushaw, Abbeville Reserve, and now Odessa, Texas. Visit Joe's Septic at viscom.net. Rouse's Supermarket wants to wish everyone a happy holiday. And to help you out and make you really happy for the holidays, they are offering a free Butterball turkey when you purchase a Smithfield Spiral Ham. Yes, buy a Smithfield Spiral Ham at $2.99 per pound and get up to 16 pounds free on a Butterball Grade A frozen turkey. Limit one per customer. Also good on Honeysuckle, our best choice Grade A frozen turkeys based on availability. Gobble, gobble. Come on! Yeah! If you want it all back, jump to your feet right now! Oh! For the kingdom suffering violence, but the violent take it! Take it by force! Boy, I got to tell you, um, yesterday was awesome. We really had a great time at the Terrebonne General Tri-Parish Basketball Media Day where we were mingling with a lot of the boys and girls basketball coaches from around the area. So it's a great time now, 24 hours later, to bring Stan Gravois on for our Terrebonne General Thursday um, interview. Stan, good afternoon. How are you? Good, Casey. Everything's going well. Happy to hear it, bro. And look, man, thanks uh, for having us yesterday. It was an awesome time. You know, got a lot done. Got to speak to 20-plus coaches in our area. Gave them the opportunity to voice their thoughts on the upcoming season. You know, 
local sports media maybe isn't what it once was in the area, but man, we, we still got a little fight left in us. We did a great thing yesterday. It was awesome. Yeah, listen, I appreciate everything that you guys did being here and, and doing the show live from our area and having those coaches on. They were thrilled yesterday. That was, and I, this is not just lip service, that's the best one we've, we've ever had. The coaches were there in full force. They were having a terrific time with just hospitality and camaraderie with each other. They were getting some of their word out and promoting their kids, and that's what we wanted to see. Uh, you mentioned the area maybe not being like it was. I, I hate, listen, from a print perspective, you know, because obviously for the longest time in our area, the bigger paper was the Comet and the, and the Courier, and them not doing anything anymore, that does not, Stop the fact that you guys, what Truck is doing with radio, what the Gazette does, uh, you're, you're the young gun, Casey. We were talking about that, you know, after you left. You're the guy who's got to sort of carry the torch, and you certainly are doing that in a, in a super fashion, so we appreciate it. It's because of that that these guys were excited yesterday. So uh, if we could, I, I would love to be able to do it for every sport, but it's sort of impossible, right? I mean, you have to pick those sort of bigger ones and, we hope to do it with baseball and softball when we get into the spring. So, again, uh, thanks for coming out, what you did yesterday. Uh, I, I know the logistics are not easy when you sort of can't get a commercial break in and you got to look for a <laughs> bottle of water just going from interview to interview. But those guys absolutely love it. And what I don't think you even knew was that there was a speaker in the hall as they were waiting to do their video interviews and their television interviews. There was a big speaker in the hall, so whoever was at you at the table doing radio, the other guys were all huddled around like it was 1933 around a radio, you know, uh, listening to the other person speaking. So it was, it was really neat. That's cool. I didn't know that. Thanks for sharing that. That's really cool. So everybody was able to kind of hear what all the other coaches had going on. That's really neat. Um, look, man, we got some great news. I don't know if you were even aware of this, probably so, but it's now probably – about a half hour old. <clears throat> Ed White did beat Lafayette Christian today out in Lafayette. They're moving on to the semifinals. So great for Coach Johnson and her crew. Moving now two wins away from possibly winning the state championship. Yep, it's a uh, status quo sort of for Ed White's uh, volleyball team, right? This is when it gets tough for them, quite honestly. Uh, but to just have that tradition of getting to this point is certainly phenomenal. And I think this year it might be a little bit different. I think I think the way the bracket works out and some of the things that go along with what her girls have done. Because when you go look at the schedule, they knocked off some really good teams. I do understand, I guess, you know, you have to be playing at your, your peak at the right time. And I would hope that that's what's going on with the uh, Lady Cardinals right now. But, Again, and, and, and I will say this, you know, we talk about a lot of the coaches in our area. Sarah Johnson just doesn't get enough credit. She does a terrific job with that program. And again, she's got them on the cusp. So let's hope that the Lady Cardinals can get it done. One of our local football teams punched a ticket into the next round without having to take the field. <laughs> Vanderbilt's moving on to the second round of the Division Two select playoffs after L.B. Landry was forced to forfeit for playing an ineligible player. Look, we're certainly happy for Vanderbilt, but these situations stand drive me crazy. Why didn't you turn yourself in before the bracket came out and let somebody else into the field? Like when this happens, and it happens every year, it drives me off the wall. 
Well, you stole my thunder. You stole my soapbox because I don't get it. Can you imagine what the 25th place in that particular division is thinking right now? Because they could have been in. And I realize there are a lot of people who are saying, why do you want to go in as the last seed anyway? Do you think they really wanted to go in? Well, the way the bracket is set up now, it's not like the 24 seed is going to play the number one seed. You know, the 24 seed is actually playing like the ninth seed, and who knows how good ninth seeds are, right? So you did have an opportunity. You also probably had a coach who wanted to get in the playoffs just to show his kids what it was about. So that's certainly a bummer. But the other thing it does is, is it sort of throws Vanderbilt off. Now, Vanderbilt's going to be playing De La Salle next week. I'm sure any opponent they were going to play next week was going to be really, really tough. But who knows if it would have been De La Salle because Vanderbilt wouldn't have been in the bracket where they were at, right? Yep. So it it's just the whole thing around. And that's what's so discouraging about it. And, it, you know, this goes back to when I was a kid. I can remember when the brackets were coming out when I was in high school. And you'd always wait for that those few teams that, hey, that was a forfeit. <laughs> Unfortunately, a lot of times it's out of the, you know, a certain area of the state. But all that being said, I, I, it, it's just disheartening from that standpoint. Now, listen, if you're a Vanderbilt Catholic fan, and I'm sure a lot of those kids really wanted to play this week, to be honest with you, but if you are a Vanderbilt Catholic fan, boy, you could get some of those bobos and those bruises and bumps all taken care of this week. So it gives you probably a better opportunity against a really good De La Salle team next week. No doubt about that. E.D. White is going to be facing the winner between Evangel and Estruma. If I had my druthers, I would think that Evangel would win that matchup with Estruma. Stan, you touched on something here that I, I now remember now that you said it, and this was on sat, last Saturday, but Evangel came to Thibodeau one year and blasted E.D. White, like uh, 60 or 70, something to nothing. That was when E.D. White isn't where they are now, and that's when Evangel was at a different place that they're at now. If I had to guess, and I don't know if he would admit this on the air, but if I had to guess, there's going to be a little extra oomph from Kyle and the crew next Friday if it, if it is Evangel who's the opponent. I would agree with that. It, it, listen, and it, there's no if. It's going to be Evangel. Evangel is much better than Estruma. As a matter of fact, if you go look at Estruma's schedule, they make a good case for the brackets being too big. Uh I think that in the situation with Evangel, it's good bulletin board material for Coach Lasang, but you have to be careful. It's funny. I was going to say this Evangel team is not your grandfather's Evangel, but it's been kind of weird for Evangel, right? Because that last time they came down and they put a whooping on E.D. White, the score was 77 to nothing. And truthfully, truthfully, I had a nephew who was playing at the time, so saw it. They didn't run the score up. You know, it, it's not like they ran it up, but they kind of ran it up. <laughs> I don't know if I, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. It, it just got out of hand, right? And 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 I don't think Evangel was like playing starters in the fourth quarter, but it was just very, very lopsided. And I, I tend to think that was a situation where – the senior class of Evangel was sort of that last, it was their last hurrah. Because, man, it's been bad for that school for the last three years. Now, all of a sudden, they're not too bad. And that's where you got to be careful if you E.D. White. One, 
they open up the season and they play Neville and they lose eight to nothing against Neville. So that's a red flag that maybe they are pretty good right there because mm-hmm. obviously, yeah, Neville's pretty good. Then you start looking at the schedule and you start going, well, wait a minute, the losses are to five A teams and Westgate. You know, and I realize Westgate's four A, but. Well, actually, I think Westgate's 5A now, too, uh, you know, because I'm confused with the LHSA, excuse me. Uh, so you start looking at that and you go, this team's not bad. Here, here's the difference, I think, in this year and last year with E.D. White. Last year with E.D. White, I don't think we really thought there was a chance of it even being competitive in a game until that St. Thomas More game. I think the moment E.D. White steps on the field next week, there's a chance. Now, I, don't get me wrong. I think E.D. White's going to win the game. But I think it's going to be competitive from the get-go when they start the playoffs next week. Would you say this? And, and look, I was kind of chatting with some E.D. White folks. Would you say that their potential matchup with Evangel would be more difficult than their potential matchup with John F. Kennedy in the quarters? John F. Kennedy's 9-1. and one. They're not known for being a power Look at some of their wins. They're beating up on Patsy's, quite frankly. I think that E.D. White has a good draw. If they could get by that first matchup, that quarterfinal matchup, doesn't look too spooky to me. Well, here's – I don't think it's going to be Kennedy that they'll be playing. Well, well, there you go. You just answered me. There you go. <laughs> I, I Listen, when I saw Kennedy up there with the rest of those teams, I sort of had to chuckle because I'm thinking – and I – look. Kennedy's probably got some terrific athletes. I'm sure they're going to show up and play hard, but they're not in that same stratosphere with the rest of these schools. Not right now, anyway. So that being said, your question is very, very uh, pertinent because I don't think that Kennedy is going to be a roadblock for anybody, any one of those teams who was at the top. As a matter of fact, I'm not sure who's playing uh, tomorrow night to get the opportunity to play Kennedy. But I I really feel like whoever wins tomorrow night to play Kennedy is going to beat Kennedy. Uh, Kennedy should have lost to Terrebonne High School earlier this year, you know. And uh, I, I just don't see them being a threat with the rest of those schools that are in the top of the Division II select bracket. Here's why it's likely going to be Kennedy if it is a quarterfinal matchup, because they're going to be facing the winner between Kenner Discovery Health Sciences and Hannon, and neither one of them are very good either. So it's a good draw all around. So let me go back on my statement and say this. Yes, the Evangel game is going to be tougher than the next one. Because, listen, E.D. White already cakewalked uh, Hannon earlier in the year. Not that it's going to happen that easy again. But, yes, that's that's actually that's really good for E.D. White. Now, what people need to remember, that'll be the last home E.D. White game this upcoming year yeah no doubt about that so let's talk about some college man lsu shocks everybody man they go and defend their home field they beat alabama and more important than like beating alabama is that it wasn't like a flukish win like okay you had in one time yet lsu beat him like nine to six and jordan jefferson's in and he's running the option and alabama just wasn't prepared like it wasn't that kind of win it was more of a, hey, you just lined up, ran your stuff, and we're better than them. You you made good plays defensively in the red zone, made them kick field goals. Daniels was running and throwing. And my biggest concern, Stan, was A, would LSU have enough bodies? Like, you hear about the lack of scholarship players in the – like, would they have enough depth? And B, was the moment going to be too big for Daniels? Well, 
they had enough bodies, and the moment was not too big for Daniels. In fact, as the game went on, he got better and better. That was super encouraging to see from LSU on Saturday. Well, my takeaway is always I'll start it off by saying what I say every week, and I know people are tired of hearing it, but LSU has gotten so much better in the trenches, and that's where the game was won. And you usually don't do that against Alabama, but they did it against Alabama last week. The second thing that I took away from the game is, is I don't think people are realizing it. We may be seeing one of the best LSU defensive players ever in its history in its infant stage, and that is Harold Perth. Yep. That guy, I, and, you know, I pause as I'm consciously thinking about this because I didn't think about it before. That I don't know that I've ever seen an LSU football player, <laughs> heck, as a, as a sophomore or as maybe a junior, I, I don't think I've ever seen anybody dominant like that guy is. That guy's going to be something else, and he's got – you know, it's all of those things. It's the motor. He can run. He can tackle. He's in your face. He's, he looks like, go. I can't believe I'm going to say it. He looks like one of those Alabama linebackers we talk about every year. You yep. know? He, he's something else. So that's big for me. The other one is it's just a smile-on-your-face kind of story where you think about the Williams kid playing running back. Because if I ever need a yard and I'm LSU, there's a lot of guys that I think could do it. The ball, I'd give the ball to him because he makes things happen, and I know he's a walk-on kid who, who but, but he's just turned. You, you need those pe- special people to step up. Obviously, Jay Daniels has, right? I mean, that, that's, that goes without saying, but the Williams kid is something else to watch. And, and the funny thing is, Casey, we were talking last week, and you asked who did I think would win, and I said, well, you know, if they play each other ten times, I think LSU could beat him three and a half, maybe four. So now the game happened, and I had somebody who walked up to me and said, hey, you made the comment that LSU could beat him maybe three and a half, four times. What do you think now? So that's and that's a great question because now, a week later, if you told me those two teams played ten times, I would tell you, and I might be shortchanging LSU, and I say, I'd say LSU would win six you know, of those 10 times now. It 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 was that kind of win. It wasn't a sort of like fluky win. I get it. They won in overtime. But it wasn't a fluky kind of win where you walk away from it going, boy, it's a good thing they won that one because they won't beat them if they played nine more times. It, it wasn't that kind of win for sure. And now, in the same thing, I had the same discussion with Taylor Griffin a minute ago in the last segment. And now, with all that having been said, I'm scared to death of Arkansas on Saturday because Arkansas is always the foil to LSU's plans. It's an early game. Arkansas is coming in on the ultimate low. They lost to Liberty. That was embarrassing. LSU's on the ultimate high. I am scared to death of Arkansas on Saturday. Are you? Oh, absolutely. And then you're playing at 11 o'clock in Arkansas, and then the weather is going to be just a little different than what we've seen normally yeah that's a ton of things how many times have we gone see the Arkansas LSU game where it totally was like not what we thought it was going to be so sure it does and it's so important because you know obviously if they win this one and Alabama takes care of Ole Miss it's a done deal and they're in the championship game for the SEC so there's a lot riding on it yeah I am I I hope that we sort of have the coach who understand these situations I heard something, I think it was this morning, that said that he, being Brian Kelly, hasn't lost a game in November since 2017. Oof. That's 
that's pretty amazing. I mean, that's that's five, well, six years where you haven't lost in the month of November. Uh, I, I don't know who Notre Dame was playing in the month of November, but that, it's still tough to not lose one game. So maybe we have the right coach who won't let them sort of be looking ahead. And, and what are you looking ahead to, you know, UAB? I mean, it's, it's so I hope I, – I, how do – I hate even saying this. I guess it's maybe because I just don't want the team to win at all, and you know how I feel about them. I worry more about Texas A&M, I think, than I do even Arkansas. Yeah, I understand that. Let's talk about the Saints, man. Monday night did not go well. You get beat up in all phases. Offense couldn't really move the ball. Defense couldn't stop the run. Lamar Jackson gets out and runs and and does his thing. And You know, man, there's kind of two sides here. On one side, there are the more optimistic fans, and I got to admit, they're becoming fewer and fewer by the week. But there are the more optimistic fans who are saying, oh, well, just kind of injured. You know, Tampa Bay and the Falcons aren't running away. Let's just try to, you know, sneak in and see what happens. On the other hand, there are the folks, and I'm in this numbers, that I don't care what Tampa's doing. I don't care what Atlanta's doing. If you can't win more than one game in a row, you're not getting in no matter what they do. You got a harder schedule than they do coming home. I think the Saints are a long, long ways away. Yeah, you beat Las Vegas and showed us some flashes, but there's never any consistency there. And home away doesn't matter. They're not very good in the Dome anymore either. It's rough watching this, bro. That was tough on Monday night. It is. That, that's only one game this year I can't explain related to the Saints. The rest of them are starting to make a pattern, you know. And that one game to me is the Seattle game. Because Seattle's turning out to be a pretty good football team, and I thought the Saints played well against them when they beat them. Uh, beating the Raiders, we're finding out, was kind of like, well, you should have, because <laughs> the Raiders were like bad, right? And then winning that game against Atlanta was like, well, you know, we got kind of lucky. I guess there's no such thing as luck in the NFL, but it, it you know, things went your way. So I think. The team we saw this past week was more akin to the kind of team that the Saints really are. Maybe not as bad as that, because that was bad on Monday night. That was like, that was like you knew they couldn't win. That was like, you know, go to bed in the middle of the second quarter because this ain't gonna get no better kind of loss, you know. And and I don't I don't start to understand it anymore. I don't know what it is that they can do. I realize there's still a lot of injuries and. But I would have thought the defense would have looked a little bit better, too, in, in some areas. So I can't put my finger on it. I don't know what it is. I do know, you know, the future of Dennis Allen is coming up in these next probably six or seven games, which are not going to be easy games. And when I say that, I don't think they'd get rid of them right away. And I don't know that they should, to be honest with you. I mean, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is we live in that day and age where perception comes really, really quick and what we judge a team to be, and people are not going to give him a whole lot of rope. So this upcoming stretch is going to be really, really tough. I will say this, and, and the Steelers are bad, right? Mm-hmm. So if you go out, you go out there and you lay an egg against the Steelers, you just as soon start playing for the future because there's nothing to play for. I guess, yeah, and then I'll throw this question to you because it's one that I've been kind of like thinking about with the Saints. Is the quarterback of the future on the Saints roster right now, yes or no? Oh, no, absolutely not. 
Absolutely not. It's, it's not going to be Winston. It's not going to be Hill. It's not going to be Dalton. Absolutely not. Agree with you 100%. So that being said, you know, what are we doing? What, I, you know, what, <laughs> what, it, what, what made us think that it was? I, you know, you still have people like, well, it, it, you know, Andy Dalton needs to stay in there. Well, yeah, okay. And somebody told me the other day, said, it's time to give Jameis Winston a chance. And you're like, yeah, okay. I mean, you just like, you, you, you it, it reminds me of the little emoji when you respond to somebody and you don't know the answer. So you put the little guy who's got his hands up on each side. That's, that's my feeling of the Saints right now. I, who knows? That's, that's very well said. That kind of sums it all up right there, man. I, you touched on one thing. Is gonna, I'm going to leave you with this. Um, the Benson family showed when they got rid of Stan Van Gundy after one season with the Pelicans that they're not afraid to make a very drastic change after just one season if they think a mistake was made. If the Saints go 5-12 and 12 or 6-11 and 11 and don't look more competitive than what they are now, will Dennis Allen be the coach of this football team next fall? Wow, that's a good question. Ah, boy, I bet you Mickey Loomis is going to have a lot to do with that as far as what his opinion is. The problem with the Saints is is that there was such a deep-seated root in a lot of these coaches who are on that staff for so long with Sean Payton that maybe they get a little bit more rope. Uh, that, that's going to be good. I do know this. The fan base is going to be going nuts by that time. So, uh <laughs> It, I guess it depends on how much Miss Benson wants to listen to the fan base. Uh, and, and and do you see any way that they win more than six right now? I, I don't. I mean, they would have to play like they did against Vegas every game the rest of the season. But, Stan, look, man, it is what it is at some point. Maybe Vegas just played bad that, that game. Like, New Orleans has shown me nothing to think that they that they played well at any point this season. I agree. I, uh, I, I agree. The, again, the only one that – even the Vegas game doesn't flip me out. It's more the uh, it's more Seattle, I guess. I don't I, I don't know what to think. Again, I'll just go back to my low emoji character. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll see. Very well said. Well, partner, we thank you so much for the time. Can't wait for Saturday. We'll chat again soon. Okay, man. Have a great rest of the day. Thanks, Casey. Take care, everybody. Yep, that is Stan Gravois doing a wonderful job as always. He look, he he hit the nail on the head. Just the hands up in the air emoji that. That is the New Orleans Saints in this current NFL season. Let's catch a break. When we get back, we're going to the mailbag. It's play-by-play here on KLEB. Hey, Mike Davis here. Looking for your next new vehicle? Come check us out at Golden Motors. Price is priority. Come place your very own order or choose what is in stock or coming in. Many 2022 Silverado trucks and SUVs to choose from. New vehicles are here on the way. Chevy, find new roads. And if you're looking for that slightly pre-owned or any make and model vehicle, we have it in our huge selection or don't see it, we can get it. Just stop by on the back road and cut off or call us at 985-325-1000. Simply free. Don't those two words go together nicely? Especially when they describe the very best in daily money management. At SL Bank, our Simply Free checking account provide you the tools you need to manage your account and to make life a little easier. Want to know more about Simply Free Checking? Just talk with us today at SL Bank. Member FDIC.
Your brand new Galliano Fresh Market is now open seven days a week. Our team is ready to help make your shopping experience all that it can be. Galliano Fresh Market has been blessed to serve this community for over four decades. This family-owned supermarket understands the needs and values of this community. Whether it be the bakery, butcher shop, catering, produce, or shopping boat orders, you will find everything you need all under one roof at Galliano Fresh Market. Check out our weekly ads online at gallianomarket.com. What does the Weatherbug app tell you? My commute will be a doozy today. Pack my allergy meds. Lightning. Pick up a pizza, not a tennis racket. With more free map layers than any other weather app, Weatherbug tells you more of what you need to know to prepare you for the unpredictable. Discover why over 10 million users choose Weatherbug. Maybe it's a commute to the couch day. Download the Weatherbug app today for free. This is Louisiana Commissioner of Agriculture and Forestry, Dr. Mike Strain. 95% of consumers live outside the United States. Thanks to Louisiana Department of Agriculture's partnership with the Southern United States Trade Association, or SUSTA, Louisiana ranks number four on the list of the top leading export states. SUSTA helps Louisiana agribusinesses showcase their products internationally and to be promoted around the world because there are no better products than those coming out of Louisiana. SUSTA is helping make Louisiana a leader in agribusiness exporting. Learn more at SUSTA.org. Welcome back to Play by Play here on KULB. Man, we're having a pretty good show today. I, I must say so myself. I enjoyed our commentary with Turtle and all the wrestling talk that we got. And then Stan was great and had a good show so far. Uh, really have enjoyed ourselves. We've got about another 15 or so minutes to go. It's time to open up the mailbag. Um, if you've ever got any questions for us, please let us know. Um, at Casey underscore just Claire on Twitter. We're at KLEB Radio on Twitter. Casey Just Glare on Facebook. We're at Kaylee B Radio on Facebook. Just Glare Casey at gmail.com. And if you have my digits, shoot me a text and I'd be happy to answer your questions at any time. Oh, well, not at any time on our Wednesday mailbag, which is happening Thursday today because of our Wednesday Media Day show. Our first question is from a listener who wants to know Casey, where will Dansby Swanson end up in free agency? Dansby Swanson is the Atlanta Braves shortstop, who is now a free agent after having a very big season. Reports are that Swanson wants upwards of $100 million in a new contract. And also, a lot of the analytical folk in Major League Baseball are saying, basically, in not so many words, that Swanson is more valuable on the free agent market than maybe some of the other players, and then maybe even more so than his stats would indicate because MLB is getting rid of the shift. And Swanson is going to be the best defensive shortstop in the game uh, because he's got the best range in the game. So that makes his value even higher. Um, I think Atlanta's the team to beat. He's an Atlanta guy. He likes the organization. He was kind of a clubhouse leader. So I think Atlanta's the team to beat. Um, But until Atlanta splurges and gives that big money to somebody, and like until Atlanta doesn't 
lose a an open bidding, I'm gonna say it's hard for me to you know bet fully on the Braves, right? Because they let Freddie Freeman go for God's sake. You know that was the 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 staple of their franchise. The you know the captain of their team. He gets on the open market. They do some some shady stuff. His agent does some shady stuff. And look, that's the thing. Freddie Freeman's agent wore a lot of the blame for how that all went down, and rightfully so, right? Because a lot of the things that were reported about ultimatums and all those different things, that's shady business. But let's be honest here, and I'm the biggest Braves fan that there is. Let's be honest here. The Braves had probably two or three years to get an extension done. Oh, let's just kick the can down the road. Let's just kick the can down the road. And then before Freddie's last season in Atlanta, the 2021 season, he said, hey, in spring training, let's get this done. Let's get this over with. Alex Anthropoulos, asleep at the wheel. Oh, no. uh, Okay. Let's get it to free agency and you lose the bidding war. Now he's with the Dodgers. And, oh, yeah, you get into the postseason and you could have really used that bat. You could have really used that guy in your lineup. Whew. I'm not going to get too fired up about this. But anyway, I think the Braves are the favorites for Swanson. But if the bidding gets too high, Atlanta has shown historically that they don't win bidding wars very often. Listener wants to know, Casey, can LSU make the college football playoff realistically after their victory over Alabama? Well, let's, I mean, let's get it out the way. They'd have to win four in a row. They would have to beat Arkansas. They'd have to beat UAB. They would have to beat Texas A&M. They would have to beat Georgia. That in and of itself isn't altogether likely, but hey, it could happen, right? If that were to happen, um, you'd probably still also need some help. You need TCU to lose. I think they're going to lose Saturday to Texas. That would knock them out. I think you would just artificially jump Oregon um, because of, you know, just math, right? I mean, Georgia would have beat Oregon by 46. You would have beat Georgia. I mean, you yeah, so I mean, just math-wise, I think you would jump Oregon. Then it becomes an issue of um, do you leapfrog the loser of Ohio State and Michigan and do you leapfrog Tennessee, who beat you by a zillion earlier this season? And those become some very real questions, and I don't know the answers to them just yet. I'll say this. If LSU gets in a position Saturday, and I don't know that they'll be in this position, but as I've said throughout the whole week, I'm worried thick about Saturday. But if LSU gets in the position Saturday where they could score an extra touchdown or two, They'd be wise to do it. They'd be wise to do it. They're now in style point season. You play UAB next week, boy, you don't want to beat UAB 34-10. to 10. You want to beat UAB 64-10. to 10. You're in style point season. So I think you're going to see if LSU gets in the position to add some extra scores late in games, I think they're going to do that. Uh, but if they do win the four in a row, it's going to be really close. But I do tend to think that the committee is going to put them in just because they're the SEC champion, just because they would have the win over Alabama, they'd have the win over Georgia. Like, how could you keep a team out that beat Alabama and Georgia both in the same year? Right? Like, come on, Matt. Like, if you beat Alabama and Georgia both in the same year, and one of your losses is the first game of the year, and it happened on a blocked extra point, it was the flukest thing that could ever have happened, I think the committee would forgive some of their sins earlier in the year and they would allow them in. A listener wants to know, Casey, can anyone locally besides E.D. White make a run in the playoffs? First, before we answer that, we got to define what local is. If you're asking me, can anyone in Lafouche and Terrebonne besides E.D. White make a run? The answer is no. No. I mean, 
I guess Vanderbilt, but I, they're going to have a, a big uphill climb against De La Salle in the second round. My answer would be no. E.D. White's the only shot we got. Um, but if you're saying that local is within an hour of here in any direction, then yeah, sure. Central Catholic could make a run. And by the way, congratulations to Central Catholic. They won today in the quarterfinals of the volleyball um, uh, Division Four, I believe the Lady Eagles got a three straight sets win over Ascension Catholic. How about them scores? 31 to 29, 28, 26, 25, 23. The Lady Eagles move on to the semifinals. They can make a run. Destrahan can make a run. Lutcher can make a run. So if we open up the umbrella a little bit and go, you know, within an hour, you know, an hour and you know, 10, 15 minute radius from here, then yeah, there are some teams that can make a run. But if we're staying strictly in the Bayou area, it's E.D. White and, and that's about it. Casey, what changes do you expect to see with South Lafouche football next season? Again, I got to ask you, what do you define as change? If you're asking me from the perspective of, is there going to be a head coaching change? The answer is resoundingly no. B.J. Young's going to be back unless if he chooses to be somewhere else, which I don't foresee happening. Will there be some staff changes or some tweaks or maybe an addition or two here? There, sure, that's possible. I think that the biggest thing that they've got to do They've got to hit the weight room hard. They've got to get stronger. I think they've got to get tougher. And um, trying to think of a way to say this, because I know they all listen, and I'm not trying to like anger anybody. I'm not trying to get anybody upset with me or anything like that. Um, to that toughness point, they're just like that. Just needs to be a little bit of a meaner football team, right? A little bit of a meaner football team. They've got kind of a loose locker room right now, right? The kids are, you know, loud music and cutting up and taking selfies and pictures and they're on Snapchat and that's cool when you're winning. Sometimes it's not cool when you're not. So I think they're going to reel some of that in a little bit. You want them to have fun, but you want them to be a little more focused and a little more attention to detail. I think some of those things are going to maybe get tweaked and everybody pulling in the same direction next year. But I think they're going to be pretty good next year. I really do. You get your quarterback back. You got a lot back up front. Uh, you got a lot on your defense back. I think they'll make some tweaks. I think they'll make some adjustments. I don't think they're that far away from having a pretty strong year. Casey, will Michael Thomas ever play for the New Orleans Saints again? If it were me, uh, the answer would be no. Um, if it were me, the answer would have been no last offseason. If it were me, the answer would have been no as soon as he denied getting the ankle surgery and didn't go with the advice of the team doctors, but then had to get the ankle surgery later, which caused him to miss all of that year. It would have been over then. And quite frankly, I think how that situation was handled is part of the reason why Sean Payton's no longer there, for what it's worth. Um, But if it's New Orleans, and being that you've been through all of that and you haven't kicked his ass to the curb by now, you're probably not going to. There's a big, big salary cap hole that you're going to have to eat. He's going to be a lot of dead money if you get rid of Michael Thomas right now. And I just don't think they're going to be willing to do that. I think they're going to try to bring him back and just try to keep making it work. Two more. Casey, who are your midseason favorites to make the Super Bowl in the NFL? In the NFC, I guess it's got to be. No, you know what's the hell? I'm going against the grain. I don't think it's going to be the Eagles. I'm not going to lie to you guys and say I think it's going to be the Eagles if I don't think it's going to be. I think their best football has already been played. I think that as you get deeper into the season with a run-heavy, uh, running quarterback-style offense, I think that you break down a little bit. 
And I think we've seen that a little bit. They played the Texans last Thursday and kind of struggled, limped through the game a little bit. I think the 49ers are going to make the Super Bowl in the NFC. How about that? How's that for a curveball? I watched them play with Christian McCaffrey. If they could find a way to get in, their offense is explosive. Their defense is good. I think the 49ers are the best team in the NFC. And then I still I still go with the Bills in the AFC. But I don't know, man. The Bills are kind of getting arrogant, right? They don't value the football very much. They're turning it over a lot. I think they know that they're good. And they're making some mistakes, a little bit of some arrogant mistakes. And they lost a game to the Jets on Sunday that they had no business losing just by kind of being foolish. Now, they've got to get over that. But I think they will. And I'll go Bills and 49ers. And then the last question. Casey, why do you hate on the Saints so much? I'll tell the whole story, man. My, I'm a Cowboys fan because my dad's been a Cowboys fan since before there ever even was a Saints franchise. Um... He was a Cowboys guy then. It stuck, whatever it may be. I was actually a Saints fan for a lot of my childhood. Um, I, I got an Aaron Brooks jersey. I was a big fan of Aaron Brooks and Boo Williams and Chad Martin and Joe Horn and all. Like, I was a fan then. I soured on the organization whenever I be whenever I went to LSU, and it was during Katrina, and they were playing home games in Baton Rouge, and I was working in the media at the time, and you could Google this. Everything that I'm telling you right now is, is true. Tom Benson shoved and was trying to like physically assault Lee Zurich, young Lee Zurich. Lee Zurich's an old and established. At that time, he was a young sports reporter. Lee Zurich was asking him a question about the team trying to move to San Antonio. Tom Benson damn near assaulted him. I was there when it happened. And how they tried, people forget this. We have revisionist history in Louisiana. The Benson family now is revered. All oh, they've done so much for the... No, they were trying to move the team out of the city after Katrina and the NFL and everything that I'm telling you right now, if you Google it, it's all going to add up. The NFL said, no, you're not doing that to these people. We're forcing you to stay. The NFL blockaded that. If not for that, it would be the San Antonio Saints right now. So part of my disdain for the organization is I don't support the Benson family. I don't support the Benson family. Yeah, they're doing things and they're keeping the Pelicans here. And it, that's all after the fact. If they would have had their way, that football team would be in Texas right now. They would have taken the Saints away at the biggest possible moment in the history of the city. And that would have been terrible. And I've never forgiven them for that. Um, and then secondary to that, right after that, you go and you draft Reggie Bush, who was like my least favorite college player the whole time that I'm at LSU. So... Mostly, like 90% of it is just me ribbing my friends, and I don't really have much of, a, of an impact either way, but it all started there. Whenever I was at LSU, seeing the way the family handled that and seeing how he was treating the media, and then you get Reggie Bush, and just wasn't my jam, just wasn't my cup of tea. Anyway, let's get a couple of betting picks, and then we'll get out of here uh, on this Thursday show. Tomorrow, I'm going to have Chandler. I'm going to have Damian. Two interviews with Damon in one week, boy. What are we going to do with ourselves here? Our ratings are going to be uh, are going to be plummeting with two interviews with Damon. I'm kidding, of course. We love having Damon on. Um, tonight we've got Thursday night football action in the NFL. We've got a bunch of NBA. We've got a lot of college basketball action here. If my FanDuel app will cooperate, I'll tell you how I'm betting tonight's games. Um, I, Thursday night games are hard to pick, man. Because the teams aren't rested, and you know it's it's hard to say sometimes on Thursday how you think the games are going to go. But we've actually had pretty good luck picking those. 
Tonight it's Atlanta and Carolina. I'm going to take under 41 and a half. I don't think Carolina could score on anybody, so I'm taking under. I think that that'll be too much for those teams to carry. Carolina actually plays pretty good defense, so I'm taking under 41 there. Tonight I'm also going over 222 in the 76ers and the Hawks. The 76ers don't guard. The Hawks push the ball at Trey Young. I think that we're going to see an over in that matchup. And then lastly, one more for you. We go into college basketball, and I am going to take, uh, let's see, I had it circled here. Let me find it on the list. I'm going to take over 130 for St. Mary's in Vermont. Vermont is a mid-major team. They uh, score. They score, and they're playing St. Mary's, who's pretty good, so I think that one will be a game in the 70s. Let's wrap things up here. Had a great show. Um, Tomorrow's show will be great, too, as we send you into the weekend. To everybody listening, have a wonderful rest of the day. Man, I'm looking out the window. It looks gorgeous out there. Just absolutely gorgeous. Have a great rest of the day, y'all. Take care. God bless. You've been listening to Play by Play on KLEB. During this holiday season, our thoughts turn gracefully to those who have made our progress possible. And in this spirit, we say sincerely thank you and best wishes for the holiday season and a happy new year from everyone at Ashley Barrios State Farm Insurance. Did you hear about Taco Bell's apology? Yeah, they apologize.